Welcome to the podcast of the National Institute of Health and Care Research, the NIHR. This episode is going to focus on how the UK is helping to develop the vaccines of the future, and specifically we're going to be discussing the UK's new vaccine innovation pathway. My name is Professor Andy Yusinowski, and I'm the Joint National Specialty Lead for Infection for the Clinical Research Network, and the Joint National Specialty Lead for the Vaccine Innovation Pathway. And it's a pleasure to have you with us. I'm joined today by Professor Saul Forst from Southampton. Saul, do you want to introduce yourself and expand on what you've been doing in vaccine research over the years? Yeah, so I'm Saul Faust from the University of Southampton. I'm a clinical academic in paediatric infection and immunity, and I've been doing vaccine trials for many years. With Andy, I'm co-clinical lead for the NIHR uh, Vaccine Innovation Pathway, uh, and with a number of different uh, NIHR hats, I represent children here and the earlier phase uh, community of the clinical research facility networks. Great. So there's no one better than you, Saul to help us walk through what we're planning to do in the UK. So let's start off. A question to you. Vaccine development is a hot topic right now. Why do you think that is? I think the pandemic has really given us a a step change in how governments and people uh, see protection against uh, infectious diseases. You know, historically, it's taken years to produce new vaccines, uh, 10 to 15 years the pandemic showed this could be done really quickly for a public health emergency. And so we've got an opportunity to not just find new vaccines for things we were working on before, but also plan for pandemics of the future and uh, in major infections uh, that are impacting people globally. Yeah, no, absolutely. And there's also been advances in technology, for instance, the mRNA technology, which has come to a fore with COVID-19 and is translatable to a lot of these areas including actually to areas beyond infections, such as cancer vaccines, uh, both for treatment and potentially in the future for prevention. So it is a really exciting time. Let's walk through what's happening in the UK. How are we trying to seize this opportunity and progress towards realising the potentially huge health benefits related to such vaccines? Well, I mean, as as we both know, we, we work within the system. The UK has had a National Institute for Health and Care Research for Uh, some time now, and this basically turns the UK health service into a health research system. And government realised during the pandemic how successful um, we were as a a national uh, network in bringing forward new vaccines, Uh, not just the Oxford vaccine trial, which was clearly a homegrown vaccine, but delivering contract commercial vaccine trials across the pipeline, over 20 vaccine trials by the end of the first year of the pandemic, over 50,000 people had taken part in uh, vaccine trials in the United Kingdom. So government have realised this and they're investing in uh, additional infrastructure for us, if you like, to uh, progress this, to work with companies and um, uh, public sector organisations to really get us in a position to, to develop new vaccines uh, for the for the NHS and globally uh, in the immediate future. Absolutely. I think uh, vaccines were one of the successes of the UK's response to COVID-19. And there's a lot of learnings we've taken from that in transferring to not just COVID vaccines, but multiple other vaccines. And, and really what we're talking about is taking 
the UK's vaccine research potential to the next level. And I think that's the really important point. There's a clear appetite in in government, in the health system, um, but also amongst the pharmaceutical companies and many others who have seen what we've managed to do in the UK. And I think there's a really good example post-pandemic of that, um, where, where a company, Sanofi, have come to us and said, we'd like to do a traditional vaccine trial for actually for an antibody treatment. Um, we were really worried about the feasibility with the pressures on the health service and, 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 and services. And actually, we were able to work with the company in a very new way, very mobile, to design the right protocol. And we, we managed to uh, design a trial that then recruited 8,000 uh, infants in the UK, France and Germany in a four-month period and has been used this summer now uh, to influence global uh, health guidelines and in, will impact the disease this this autumn. So this new infrastructure that we, we the, the new infrastructure based on the old infrastructure is already in play. Absolutely. And it's only just going to get better and better. And it's probably worth pointing out that it isn't just big recruiting studies, but actually our program is anything from first in human and very early phase research all the way through the research pipeline. Uh, and that's what we're trying to develop. So that brings me on to my next question. Can you briefly touch on what we're trying to do? What does it look like? What does it involve? We've got four key components or four key pillars, really. Can you just walk me through those briefly? Yeah, and, and, and you know, you, you and I have been working on this together with colleagues from across the system. The point is to take the infrastructure that existed before and that we've built on during the pandemic, that brings us all together to deliver clinical research and improve the pathway in these four different aspects. So bringing together the different settings from primary and community care, secondary care, and the specialist centers that can do the early phase trials to make sure we can map and deliver the right trials in the right settings and address issues such as diversity and different ages of patients and poverty, and actually be able to bring people who've not take traditionally taken part in trials before to be able to feel that they can now take part in trials and have an opportunity to do so. As part of that, we clearly need to grow the workforce in primary and secondary care. Uh, and we've got many examples now across the country of, of regions being able to share workforce across sites. Again, things that happened during the pandemic that, that never did before that we've managed to replicate uh, go, going forward in order to get that capacity build, share expertise, not waste resources. Um, so workforce planning and, and career development is really important. Again, not just for PIs and doctors, but for our research nurses, for pharmacists, for project management. All of this needs uh, capacity and workforce planning. The third aspect is sharing best practice. Of course, there are some sites and, and air regions that have been very experienced in, and yours and mine have been doing this for for years, but but other places now have got these skills, having done this during the pandemic with us, and we need to to keep that, capture it, and make sure that the whole country, the whole of the United Kingdom, so England and the devolved nations of uh, Scotland, Wales, and Northern Ireland can take part, and that we've got enough people in all the areas to do that. And in order to underpin that. Um, your topic, vaccine research skills training, and maybe you're better or not better better to talk about what we're doing for that. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, to to take a step back, I suppose, given a, a, an overall overview, 
We've worked on several key areas. One key area is about the investigators, um, current and future. So there's an independent UK infectious diseases vaccine forum, which has been developed, which is there to give very early input, if we're able to, to protocols, to pipelines, so that we can make sure things coming to the UK are the best fit for the UK system. But it's also about mentoring and developing those future investigators and supporting them as we go ahead. We've then got a bit of work about our sites because we need to deliver this research. During COVID, we had a, approaching 200 sites who were doing research in COVID vaccines. And we need to know which of those and which new ones want to come on board, um, what skills they have, what areas they want to focus on, what their training needs are. And as you've alluded to, we spent a bit of work, a bit of time doing work, building a training matrix so that we can train those staff to equivalent levels throughout the country. Once we've got investigators and we've got sites, then it's about optimally placing the studies within those settings. And so we're going to use the data from the surveying of the sites to really work out how best to distribute studies across the UK if we're asked to. So if sites aren't already preordained by the organisation or the group that are doing the research, then we can provide suggestions that have capability and capacity and training but also the mix of diversity, geographically and otherwise. And then the last major thing that I suppose we focused on is about engaging the population because we need participants. So looking at our registries, our consent to contact registries, looking at approaching through people through primary care, um, but also how to build awareness of some of the less well-known diseases such, such as RSV. And then something you're leading on is looking at the paperwork, looking at what's needed to set up a study and can we make it quicker. So it really is multifactorial to the benefit, I hope, of everybody. Yeah, and it, it, it's about, you know, streamlining that contracting process, using things that NIHR are doing, but maybe haven't disseminated uh, elsewhere. This is about getting the research system better for all of us, not just focusing particularly on something that's only going to be relevant to vaccines. And, you know, one of one of the really exciting bits of digital is is not just the registries, but it's about um, doing some work of looking at the new technologies, how we might do remote trials, how we might embed electronic systems in uh, primary care to be able to recruit uh, and actually deliver trials from within those systems to look at outcomes and side effects and so on. And there's all sorts of different systems in the private and public sector that are being developed for that. And we need to do some work to almost options appraise which are the best ones for which type of studies. Great. Very, very important points. And I think overall, this should make the UK the go-to place for such research. Um, we have unique um, advantages, for instance, uh, a unique number from cradle to grave, the NHS number. We have a unified healthcare system. We have the NIHR. We have multiple sites and settings where we can deliver research. And by adapting these, by coordinating them, by nudging them, we do want to become the best place in the world to do vaccine research. Yeah, and one of the things that the, this pathway, new pathway is doing is it's linking up not just the vaccine expertise from COVID, isn't it? So we, we've linked up with the chief investigators uh, who ran the recovery trial, whose expertise was how to get the data outcome data out of the NHS system. So what I mentioned earlier on about our healthcare system linking the NA, the entire NHS and our 60 million plus population, actually what we're going to be able to do is track outcomes longer term from the uh, NHS data systems. And that integrated approach is going to help us 
for example, for finding vaccines for things that people never imagine they'd have a vaccine for, such as, you know, a vaccine against Epstein-Barr virus, prevent multiple sclerosis uh, in 20 years' time. And you, you can't do that by relying on people remembering that they're in a trial from 20 years before. We can only do that if we can track that data through the healthcare system. And that that's a unique aspect of the United Kingdom that I don't think is available in any other country uh, globally. Absolutely. Really good point. And you know, it just shows the excitement that we have and the type of things that might be coming over the horizon here. Um, so I guess the question is, who is this vaccine pathway for? What type of organizations? And I'll start off. I mean, it's for it's for virtually anybody who's developing a vaccine or an allied therapeutic. It could be a commercial company such as pharmaceutical companies. It could be non-commercial companies. There are some companies that have been heavily involved in some academic units that have been heavily involved in vaccines. We're delighted to work in partnership with them, but we're equally delighted to work in partnership with what would be new partners to us. Um, so the next question is, well, if you are an organisation or you know an organisation, how do you get started? And please email us at industry at nihr.ac.uk. One of the team will pick that up, connect you, with the right people who may be Saul or I, or maybe someone else. So that's all we have time for today. I hope it's been interesting. I want to pass over to Saul. Any other thoughts that you've got? Anything we haven't touched on? No, thanks, Andy. I, th I, I think this is a, such an exciting time. We're really looking forward to connecting with companies from anywhere who uh, would like to work with us. And as you say, uh, industry at nihr.ac.uk and uh, the team will be able to connect with the best person in the team to start developing the work. Brilliant. And even though the email is industry at nihr.ac.uk, if you're not industry, but you're involved in vaccines and interested in learning more about what we can do in the UK, please contact us through that email and you'll be routed through to the right people. So thank you so much, Saul. This was an episode of the NIHR podcast. I'm Andy Justinowski, and thank you so much for listening. If you have any thoughts or comments on this or any other episodes, please contact us on industry at nihr.ac.uk. And for more information about the NIHR, you can visit our website, www.nihr.ac.uk slash industry. Thank you so much. Thank you.